everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 123 of the show, where we are talking about all of the Marvel comics from the beginning in the superhero universe, starting with the Fantastic Four number one and going all the way up to the end of Steve Ditko's Marvel career. <laughs> hey, I think we made it then, maybe. Yeah, here we are. I mean, technically, Epis- this isn't the end of his career because he comes back and does more for Marvel later, but... Oh, does he really? I don't think I knew that. I hit a speedball. Oh, and- I did know that. I collected speedball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did you? Yeah, I did. That was good stuff, kind of. Yeah, it, it has its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. The The character, I think, finds his footing when he joins the New Warriors, but... Right. There's there's and, good stuff in there. And he, he joined the New Warriors by way of trying out for the Avengers, which was quite entertaining. But... Uh, <laughs> We're on episode one, two, three, huh? Hey, That's hey, count, count it up. Yep. So we're definitely retired by episode three, two, one. Is that what we're shooting for now? That, that, that's my goal. At yeah. least 321 episodes. 321. 321, done. Okay. So we are wrapping up the month of April 1966 in this episode with Strange Tales 146 and Amazing Spider-Man 38. And then we're going to begin May 1966 with Daredevil 18 and Thor 130. What, what? That is on the docket for today. Okay. You know what that means. What does it mean? There's zero Captain America in this episode. I'm sorry, everybody. Oh. Wow. That hardly happens anymore, but it's happening. Well, there is Spider-Man. There's there's Spider-Man, so we're somewhat salvaged. Um, And yeah, this is, I mean, okay, so... No secret, this is the end of Steve Ditko's run on Marvel. We are covering his last Doctor Strange and his last Um, Mm Spider-Man. So I'd like to remember to try to take a moment to talk about, you know, what we thought of all of that when we get to the end of those two. In fact, the end of those two are also the end of this month, so it's kind of fitting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all goes together. I uh, Mm -hmm. wanted to keep those together on this episode, so... Um, let's go ahead and dive right in. The cover of Strange Tales 146 has um, like the shadowy form of eternity. And Dr. Strange looking at it says, the end at last. Mm-hmm. And cool everyone cover. reading it said, yes, the end at last. <laughs> <laughs> Not of Steve Ditko. No, of that story. That it's a really long forever. arc. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're not straight. We're not to Doctor Strange yet, though. We're going to do uh, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, in a chapter entitled "When the Unliving Strike." Don't yield back, Shield. Far-fetched script by Stan Lee. Fantastic layouts by Jack Kirby. Fabulous penciling by Don Heck. Fanciful inking by Mickey DeMeo. Freehand lettering by Sam Rosen. Um. So we had the whole thing where there was that chemical android that showed up in Captain America and uh, Nick Fury said, I'll take care of this and we're going to look into it over on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s end. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that them sent it or they, it always throws me off, they or them sent the android. And so that's where we are. Nick Fury and the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are on this big, like, I don't know, hella tankier it's 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 a it's a, it's a weird vehicle, kind of shaped like a helicarrier, kind of shaped like something rude on big old tires. It's it's a hot dog with big old tires. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So they're looking for some sort of trace of who created the chemical android. Um, swamp buggy is what they're calling it. Uh, oh. While it's plowing ahead, there's a well-armed squad of amphibian androids following its progress. Um, the shield guys see them, throw out a net, and they catch them. And uh, then they decide, I think, to let them go and follow where they lead. Uh, and then we change scenes to the helicarrier. Now, on the helicarrier, a man by the name of something. Very important guy. We saw him briefly last issue um, looking for uh, a name. I want to say Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan? Pierce Brosnan. I don't think it's him. <laughs> anyway, some guy, uh, he's a dignitary. He's an ambassador from Advanced Idea Mechanics. Those paying attention at home know that that is the name for AIM. And he is here to present some uh, doodads and gadgets and instruments to uh, to shield. Um, but Nick Fury's guards, like, no, you can't you can't come in here with that with that carrying case full of we don't know what. We just can't let you in. Military police show up and they're like, hey, let them in. They're here from AIM and we are going to you know, push them through. And if, if you don't let them in, it's going to cause an international incident. We're going to get you court-martialed. They open up the case and there's a bomb inside. It's actually not a bomb. It's just like a model of a bomb. But they're like, okay, that's fine, whatever. And they let him in and the police, military people apologize to the AIM dude. Meanwhile, um, the, uh, the Fury soldiers are underwater trying to follow those androids. And we get to AIM's hideout um shield starts attacking and so like there's like a lot of shaking and they're really sad it's like oh no they're attacking um this is our first confirmation that aim and them are the same person i think right well they had the sign on some other story we read oh that's right that's it. right yes okay yeah up I, on the helicarrier the guy is saying i'm from aim but uh -huh. the uh the fury agents are following them and we uh -huh. don't know that those are the same person yet. So the right. beehive guys are them, and Fury and his people are chasing them. They get inside the uh, the base. They get attacked by um, Hammerhand androids, big orange dudes. Um, meanwhile, up top, um, AIM dude is kind of bad-mouthing Nick Fury a lot, and the police are bad-mouthing Nick Fury. And basically the higher-ups are saying, you know, Nick Fury is kind of... Um, kind of lording it over everyone maybe he shouldn't really actually be in charge as much as we thought we wanted him to be in charge count royale that's his name count royale is kind of instigating a coup here and he just now got on board um so those are two things that are happening the fury guys beat all the big orange guys they find that there's a whole bunch more chemical androids ready to be launched and they wonder if maybe them is actually a bunch of science guys and it seems to Fury he heard about a bunch of geniuses who formed an outfit to create ideas and then sell them. And Sitwell is like, I think you're referring to AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics. And that's where Fury starts to put together that those two groups might be one and the same. Mm -hmm. Next issue, The Enemy Within. Yeah, his name is Bornag Royale. And I had to look that up online because I couldn't find where they called him anything in this comic. But I guess they did somewhere, huh? Yeah, I saw the court Count Royale. I did not see yeah. the Bornag. Um, Maybe that's future appearance. So this would, so far, and next episode is going to beat this one, but this episode so far is the most 
interconnectivity of narration we've had. This is yes. directly following up on events in the book. Now, you can read this, and you don't necessarily have to have read Cap to understand what's going on. They give you all the background. That's true, but I did personally, and maybe because we read these so slow and stuff, but I did personally find it a little jarring. Like, I opened up this first page and went like, oh, what happened last issue? How are we here? What's going mm-hmm. on? But then there was that little caption that talked about him with Cap, and it's like, okay, so that just somehow led to this, I guess, looking right. in the moat, looking in a moat for robots. And I was thinking that like sometimes a shield story, some story will just kind of start in the middle of a mission, like they already know what's mm-hmm. going on, and we kind of have to catch up as as it goes along. So that's the kind of the feeling I had here. Having read Cap definitely enhances this story, but it's not yet a full fledged. You have to one hundred percent read it to understand what's going on. Uh, we are very close to crossing that barrier, though. Well, we tracked the vehicle that carried the chemical android right to this area. Like that didn't happen in Cap either. So I guess right. that's why it just seemed a little. Like I had to figure out how this was how how this was happening, but it it works. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Like if you haven't read Cap, mm-hmm. you haven't ever heard of advanced idea mechanics, and so right. you have this parallel storytelling where AIM is up top, them is down below, and no one realizes that they're one and the same until mm-hmm. maybe at the very end. Mm-hmm. Where did we see these cats last? I feel like we just read something with them in it. The Beehive but, guys. Yeah. Yeah, they've been in Fury for a, f- a couple of issues now. Yeah, but it's been like eight months since I read a Fury. W- weren't they in like uh, I don't know. Oh, they were in Captain America, the Tales of Suspense, weren't they? No, that was Red Skull. No, them woke up the Red Skull. Oh, they them. did. They w- they woke up that's, Red Skull. That's where the sign was, was in that issue where they're mm-hmm. developing the Cosmic Cube. And, so that one. And they've got the Baron guy there. Checking it out with them, right? Right. So Baron Royale, or Count Royale was there, and he's basically like, you have to go over to Fury now. I'll see you cats later. Mm-hmm. And uh, So, yeah, that's very interconnected, actually. Yeah. And that's there, cool. it's just one sign that says Advanced Idea Mechanics, and if mm-hmm. you notice it and you read it and the name sticks in your brain, then you're ahead of Fury's game in this issue. If you missed that because it's 1966 and you didn't really pay attention to that because you don't know what yeah. Advanced Idea Mechanics is, then... Yeah. That's kind of cool. So if you read Cap, you know this guy's a villain. If you didn't, maybe you're not sure. Right. Uh, I liked all the parts with this guy. I liked the whole, you know, he's infiltrating and he's giving, he's making it so everybody thinks like maybe Nick isn't smart enough to be leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. because he's sort of a, I wouldn't call Nick stupid, but he certainly downplays his intelligence because he comes from a culture where, you know, it's better to bust on each other, I guess, or something. Yeah, and he, he's used to being a non-commissioned, I mean, he's a three-striper. Right, right. He's not he's not highfalutin, that's for sure, but I, I wouldn't say he's dumb, but of course, that's how this guy's painting him. I enjoyed all that. I don't know if I enjoyed the Nick Fury parts as much, because I felt like that business with the rampaging androids that took out all the bad guys, it was just seemed like, huh? I don't know. Yeah. That was a little easy, wasn't it? I feel like uh, in the course of S.H.I.E.L.D., the idea that other government branches resent S.H.I.E.L.D. and resent Nick Fury, I Uh feel like that's kind of a thing that happens sometimes. That'll be the first time that we see that. Uh Because Royale is actually playing off of resentments that are already kind of there. Yes, because they're all like, yeah, I've always thought that about him. I I don't know why we put him in charge in the first place, you know. So that was interesting. I don't know why them calls themselves them. When mm. them knows who them are. <laughs> when was the last, I just feel like that name is just making it sound like we don't understand English. When was the last time we saw them? Uh, when them, there the other time. 
I don't know. I don't have a lot to say. It's just like this weird, like the whole business where they just developed all these different robots. Like, is that their thing? That doesn't really strike me as their thing up till this point, but I guess it is right now for this issue. And then, uh, you know, they were like hoisted by their own petard because their own robots attacked them and knocked them out. So like Nick didn't really even have to do anything. Oh, is that what happened? I think I missed that in my recap. The yeah, they're like, guys. they're like behind this laser going, these lasers are going to close in on you and you'll die. And then all of a sudden, oh no, the giant orange robots got loose and are trampling us it's and like hitting the, the lasers. Like when Dormammu's uh, mindless ones or faceless ones or whatever get loose. Yeah. Dormammu's like, oh no, don't do that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, they trampled the aim guys and then went after the shield guys. Yeah, they knock out the lasers and they're trampling. So Nick doesn't even save himself or anything. I don't know. Just like they were just observers, this whole story, sort of. But we did learn some things. And it is a good setup for future development. And we don't only get um, interconnectivity with the Captain America story. We also get interconnectivity with um, with Anthony Stark in suspense. It's a pity that Anthony oh, Stark can't be oh, with us. yes. He's one of the greatest whipper designers, but he uh, he's in trouble with Washington. So we have to go without him. I did think about that, too, because, again, now I'm just, like, wondering, like, how broke can a broke guy be? And it's like, if he is with S.H.I.E.L.D., can he not reach out to them and ask them to stand up on his behalf or something? Like, they should have a lot of fingers and pies, right? I don't know. To me, S.H.I.E.L.D. can accomplish anything because they're this crazy, uh, you know, Section 13 group or something. That's a good point, yeah. So could um, he be like, hey, this senator's really annoying me, and then all of a sudden that senator becomes a janitor somewhere? I don't know. But if there's a warrant out for his arrest because he didn't mm-hmm. show up at court, that might work against him if he showed his face. Yeah. And that also just solves drama too easy. So we don't want that. But You pointed out last time how few people there were in here. There are like three. Again, yeah, it's the same. It's like I feel like they just want the same three guys to be them. And that, like they comment on that in this. No wonder it only took two guys to run the whole shebang. Look at all the automatic controls. Uh-huh. Yeah, this isn't a big, large organization yet. I think it's just the three shadowy figures that started all this. And they're wearing their yellow helmets until they're ready to reveal their faces to the world. Mm-hmm. But, so now what happens to them? See, because they get trampled, so they're unconscious, and Nick Fury invades further and finds all these different kinds of, you know, uh, Attack of the Clones stuff going on. And, like, That's exactly do they pick what it is. Do they pick them up? Do they arrest them? Or we'll do they get away? Time, I, think. I guess we do, because it doesn't really follow up on that. But that's okay, all I got. Yeah, there's not a whole lot else. We go to Doctor Strange. Yeah, okay. This is it. The final cataclysmic clash of creation's mightiest mystics. Only majestic Marvel would dare hurl this epic between covers. Only you, Michael Kaiser, are worthy of reading it. Wow. Yep. I'm honored. You, are, you should be. The end. Edited by the Enchanter, Stan Lee. Penciled and inked by the Prestidigitator, Steve Ditko. Scripted by the sorcerer Dennis O'Neill. Ooh, Ditko is listed before the scripter. That's interesting. Mm. Lettered by the letterer, Artie Simic. Dennis O'Neill? Dennis O'Neill. Is this the first time we've said that out loud on this show? Or did we talk about him already? Um, Sometimes I, I think... forget when we've talked and when I've just read something you posted on Twitter. Yeah, so I, th- I know we've talked about it kind of in some form or another. but I feel like we talked about him last Strange Tales, but I could okay. be wrong. Well, I uh, after I recap, I'll go. Or you could bring up my mics and see if we've had his good yeah. uh, credit. I shall do before. that. I shall do that. Okay, so Dormammu is sitting on his throne, surrounded by the Dark Dimension, raging about how he can contain his rage no more. Um, the Disciple of the Ancient One must redeem his honor with his life. 
Dormammu is basically getting tired of being shown up by a mere mortal. And the only person who can stop him from winning this battle is the accursed Eternity. Um, but Eternity is asleep, so Dormammu is going to attack while Eternity is sleeping. And he can't go to Earth, so what's he going to do? He summons... Oh, he does a fake voice. He summons Doctor Strange using the voice of the human that he has captured. So mysterious, nameless girl, uh, Dormammu adopts her voice and basically shouts into New York City, Help me! You must help me! And Doctor Strange is like, Oh my gosh! It's that woman! I can hear her calling. She's the one who saved my life. I'm going to use my amulet to open a door and go to her voice. Oh no, it's Dormammu. And Dormammu is like, ha ha, I did not go to Earth. You are here, but we are going to fight. I have bound eternity in the subcosmos where he dwells. None may protect you from my wrath. He has this like pink glowy ball where, etern- where sleepy eternity is trapped. Um, but sleepy eternity wakes up and bursts out of the trap and says, stop fighting. I'm eternity. Dr. Strange, you stand over there. I will deal with Dormammu. So Dormammu and eternity, they start fighting. Eternity is like, you really think you can fight me? And we see Dormammu inside eternity going to town, going crazy, uh, blowing up planets, all sorts of craziness is happening while Dr. Strange just kind of watches. I can't do anything. What's going on? There's a bunch of Dr. Strange art of planets colliding and stars going nova. And Dr. Strange opens, uh, he sees an opening appear in the darkness with light and air. He flies through it and says, hey, it's the ancient one. What's up? Yeah, I got you out of the crazy world you were in. So um, you were in Dormammu's trap and I couldn't help you, but then I helped you. And Dr. Strange's like, I can't even remember what's going on. And uh, Ancient One's like, well, you know, Dormammu died. Eternity beat him. All that crazy art you saw was you winning. So good job. And then all the people who were enslaved in the Dark Dimension start coming forth saying, Hail Dorothy, the Wicked Witch is dead. Hail Dorothy, the Wicked Witch is dead. And even Baron Mordo shows up and says, Oh, I hate Dorothy, but the Wicked Witch is dead. I have no power, so I guess I'll just sit here and be angry. And then the mysterious nameless girl shows up. Whatever debt you might have owed me is now more than repaid, Mystic One. By the way, I do totally have a name. It's Clea. And now you know. What, what? We knew that. So, um, the Ancient One says, you've given your pledge to help Doctor Strange cleanse Dormammu's evil. You've got to start that now, because I'm about to die. Um, (laughs) You have to choose a leader among yourselves. You can choose anybody, except for this bit right here. Baron Mordo is my prisoner until he stops being evil. And Clea's like, hey, um, I know you have to go back to your world I have to help clean up the evil here. So uh, uh, we call me. He's like, totally mm. will. And uh, he goes through a portal, goes back home, has his amulet. He's really tired. And he goes home. And that's the end. So as much as I think eventually he started using like these strange worlds with no perspective as like a shortcut because <laughs> he didn't have to use a ruler or something. Mm-hmm. Like initially when we were, when we first started reading this Dr. Strange thing, I remember being super impressed by the art and his creativity and all that stuff. And like, I feel like he brought his a game to this last story because art wise, it's pretty dang awesome. If you like Ditko, Dr. Strange art. Yeah. There are some full page splashes or, you know, large mm-hmm. panel spreads of, mm-hmm. um, really cool cataclysmic art. Now, 
the actual events of what happens are not really detailed that well in the art. There's just a lot of stuff blowing up, but it looks really cool. This has got to be the first time we've had two splash pages in a row. Right. They don't make a two-page spread because they're two Mm -hmm. separate images, but they are next to each other, and it's a really, really neat, pretty piece. But now on the bad side, you know, Nick Fury in this comic doesn't do anything. And guess what? Doctor Strange doesn't either. Yeah. So he's just kind of like, he's he's like a visitor like we are, but then even in the end, he can't even remember what he saw because it's too much for the human mind to remember. So it's like, well, that just, I don't know, yeah. I don't know. Wasn't super excited about the story, but at least it's over, I guess. Um, Seemed kind of silly. Like, I don't really get the strategy here. Dormammu's like, I'm going to bring Doctor Strange in, and he's going to watch me get my butt beat horribly by eternity and die. Yes, vengeance is mine. I think he brought Doctor Strange in to beat Doctor Strange's butt, but then eternity bust out of the prison. Oh. Well, that was really foolish on his part to attack eternity, don't you think? Yeah, he he tried to, like... For what I'm reading, he tried to seal Eternity away so he couldn't interfere whenever they fought. And then mm. Doctor Strange is like, uh, I have to free Eternity. I'm too weak. And he's got this bad arm from the bullet wound from Rasputin. Like, I totally would have put down money that the Rasputin story was filler that maybe Ditko had turned in. Like, in my mind, okay, I was oh, reading uh-huh. the last couple of chapters. I was like, I don't know if these are actually part of the story. Maybe mm-hmm. they were th- chapters that Ditko had drawn intending to them to go after this chapter, but he quit. And so they sort of rearranged things and made this the big finale. Um, but he's got a bad wing throughout this. So the Rasputin chapter last issue had ramifications here. Oh, yeah, that is why he has the sling the whole time, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It was cool. I think, you know, visually it was neat, and it's nice that it's wrapped up, and yay, she got a name. Yeah, yeah. I remembered when Eternity told Doctor Strange last time that the power to defeat Dormammu was in his ruby slippers the entire time. And <laughs> now Eternity's like, never mind. I got this. You go home. Note to future uh, evil magician people, don't lock Eternity away and then he won't bother you. Right. He's like, I wouldn't even have cared about this battle except you just tried to imprison me. So now you die. Okay. But yeah, Baron Mordo comes back because we can't forget him. Clea gets a name, but she's staying home. And Doctor Strange goes off to do whatever by another creative team next issue. Dormammu is off the Mm -hmm. table for 25 issues, literally two years. Good, good. That's fine. Uh, So do we want to recap or, you know, wax nostalgically about Steve Ditko's run now or wait till after Spider-Man? I say wait till after Spider-Man. Okay. You want to go on to Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay. The last Ditko Spider-Man, number 38, Just a Guy Named Joe. Uh, Written and edited by Stan Lee, plotted and drawn by Steve Ditko, lettered, unfettered by Artie Simek. So, it's a new story, no recap. We start out with a guy named Joe. Joe wants to be somebody. He wants to be a boxer. So he finds a trainer named Mr. Tompkins, Tommy. And Tommy's like, dude, you're not going to be a very good boxer. He's like, no, I know I can do it because I've got a heart of gold. And then it cuts to him getting beat a lot and just basically being used as a guy to lose. So he's like, ah, well, maybe I could try being an actor. I'll be famous as an actor. And so he finds, uh, I don't know if it's the same guy. He finds an agent. No, same guy. 
He's like, I can help you with that too, because apparently I can just do anything. So he gets a job as like an extra, but the extra wears like this full body suit of armor that's orange and green. It's got a helmet. So he can't even see who he is. And they're like, we just basically need you to go around punching all this stuff. You're like an evil mutant alien or something. He's like, okay, I can do that. And he starts punching all this stuff, and the stuff's really easy to punch and break. And one of the pieces of some of the stuff hits a, one of the lighting and the, knocks it over, and the lighting hits this random chemical that's all over the floor, and it zaps poor Joe real bad. He falls over. He wakes up. He's got cartoon stars around his head and everything. He's like, I think I'm okay, but I'm not sure. And they're like, well, you're fine. So we cut to uh, Peter Parker at the Daily Bugle noticing another Betty Brant replacement quitting because J. Jonah Jameson is so horrible. He runs into Ned Leeds, and they both ask each other the exact same question. How's Betty? Where is she? What? I thought you you don't know? No. So apparently she didn't accept Ned Leeds' engagement or, you know, proposal, and neither one of the boys have seen her and now Ned Leeds' true colors come out because he's not Mr. Night guy, nice Guy anymore. He says, I never liked you, Parker. I'm going to turn into the Hobgoblin and kill you someday. Uh, but not really. And then uh, cuts back to Joe, and those stars aren't going away. He's getting more and more, like, uh, confused and messed up. And he's like, you know, they're like, can you go, like, beat up some of those extras again? rolling and he's like you know what i actually do hate these extras everybody laughs at me they always laugh at me i'm gonna be somebody damn it and he starts like exerting this incredible new strength he has and he just beats them all up and he's like out of his mind and he busts through the walls and flips over cars and starts running through the streets and that gets peter's attention even though he's deep in thought at some point a rock almost hits him so he's like what's going on he turns to spider-man tries to web up joe who by the way is still wearing the costume so we don't even know then nobody even knows who he is really but joe's so strong he can rip the webbing and they get into this big fight and eventually joe manages to throw uh spider-man into the back of a moving truck by the time spidey gets back his agent, Tommy, has come to grab Joe and tell him, let's get out of here before you get in trouble, kid. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to Harry Osborn, not Harry, Norman Osborn, putting on a disguise and going to this like nefarious Goldfinger uh, you know, mobster reunion thing. And he says, I'll give you half of this money now. And by half, I mean literally I'm going to cut this wad of money in half and give it to you. And the other half, when you all kill Spider-Man. So they're like, okay, we can do that. That's easy probably, right? Uh, cut back to Peter Parker. He has to push his way through a bunch of protesters because they're all stinky and horrible. Because, yay, not protesting. Um, Harry Osborn's mean to him. Flash is mean to him. And actually, uh, 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 um, what's-her-face is starting to think maybe she shouldn't be mean to him. Cut Gwen back Stacey. to Yeah, Gwen Stacy. I was trying to say... Karen Page, but I knew that wasn't right. Um, they're all the same. They're all the same. What does it matter? <laughs> Joe's feeling a little better, but he goes to sleep, and Spider-Man decides to go patrolling to look for this guy that got away. He's attacked by all these dudes trying to earn that 20000 uh, but of course he can just beat them so easily because they're all human. Joe wakes up, and he's like, you know what? I hate everybody, and I'm a champ, and they're all laughing at me, and uh, and he pushes Tommy, and he's out of his mind again. Those weird cartoon stars come back, and he comes across, uh, or no, he goes to the old uh, gym where he used to be a, a punching bag to all these boxers, and he just starts beating on them, and Spider-Man, who's still evading all these attacks from mobsters, comes across that window and sees him and goes, hey, that's the guy I was looking for. So he comes in. But apparently all these boxers are also would-be bad guys because they know about the uh, 
the 20,002. So they try and attack Spider-Man just as Joe's trying to attack Spider-Man. So now he has to fight regular humans and Joe. Um, at some point, he goes so crazy wailing on Joe that, like, Joe snaps out of it. Like, he beats the stars out of him, basically. And Joe's like, what's going on? Where am I? Oh, gee, I'm so sorry. And the police show up. And he's like, you're right. You should arrest me. I'm I'm guilty. And then Tommy, his agent, shows up and says, no, actually, the studio doesn't want to press charges because they actually filmed you with fighting those guys. And that's like the best fight scene they've ever had in their life. And they want to hire you and make you a star, kid. And he's like, what? I'm actually going to be somebody? And a tear comes down his face. And everybody's like, yay, go, Joe. You're the best. And all the boxers love him now because he's going to be famous and everybody loves famous. And Spider-Man's like, well, at least I didn't, you know have to arrest another bad guy. Something good came out of this. And as he's trying to leave, all these other mobsters try to attack him, and he just punches his way through. He gets really mad. He beats up a dummy. He comes home. He just missed Mary Jane again. So bummer. But all I really want to care about is Betty. And then he turns on the TV, and there's this big thing about how Joe's the new Brad Pitt. And part of his history is that one time he had to fight the icky, evil Spider-Man. So now Peter's like, gosh, now I'm icky and evil too. This sucks. I'm going to bed. And he capsads his way upstairs. The end. Goodbye, Steve Ditko. So I don't like a lot of this issue. But you said that you do. (laughs) Okay. So I just think it's interesting. You haven't done this a lot because you like to like things and that's great. And Spider-Man's your guy and that's great. Every once in a while though, you'll hint that an upcoming Spidey story is, ugh, you'll do that noise. You'll say, ugh. And I just assume, oh, this must be really bad then. If John doesn't like it, it must be like the worst story ever made or something. And then I read it and it's like, it's just an okay story. It's fine. I don't know. So my expectations are super low. And then I guess, uh, you know, (laughs) it comes out better than I thought it would. I'm not saying this should be part of the greatest Spider-Man stories of all time, but it had its moments. I don't know. So... It's 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 good for subplots. It's good uh-huh. for the the continuing Norman Osborn. You know what's going on with him stuff. Mm-hmm. The scene with Ned is pretty great. Yeah, finally we get to see some evil Ned. But most a, uh-huh. most of the issue is is Joe. Uh huh. And I hate Joe. Well, see, I don't hate Joe. I think. It's interesting when a bad guy isn't just a bad guy for bad guy's sake and stays a bad guy through the whole thing, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I was fine that Joe got some redemption, and I was fine that Joe, like, was a bad guy who was mostly not really so bad as much as just having a mental problem at this moment with these weird cartoon stars floating around his head. Uh, it was something different. It wasn't just like, I got powers, I'm going to rob banks, you know? I don't know. Uh-huh. I just found that more interesting. I'm not sure I want to see Joe again, mind you, but... right. I don't but think it, we do. It was a different different take than your normal whatever we get from villains. You know, like what's his name? The looter. That's what you normally get. Someone, see, I, someone gets a meteor power and then decides to just be evil because evil seems good. To me, I feel like the looter worked as a satire. Mm-hmm. And this is like doing a similar thing but taking itself more seriously. It's just he's more like a tragic bad guy. You know, like Gotham City got him down and – and he's suffering. And then in the end, though, there's a happy ending. So I don't know. Yeah. It was okay. Uh, it was okay. Um, there's some but, interesting parallels to be drawn with him and Peter Parker. Uh-huh. And, and that they got their powers very unexpectedly. They have very similar emotional backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't catch they, a break. Right. That, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the stories just go very differently for them because they're mm-hmm. different people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, is a last dit- Steve Ditko story, is it the most like iconic Spider-Man thing ever? No, 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 no. not really. And in fact, what issue did we read of Spider-Man that was probably the last, the last good issue? I don't know. I feel like it's been the, a while. The two-part Goblin story after 25. After 25? Oh, my 26, gosh. 26 and 27. That's a long time ago. I mean, there were some, you know, half-decent things between now and then. But those, right. I think those are the last ones that we were, like, actively pleased with. Yep, because it's all Molten Man and Scorp. Oh, no. Tw- 33 had the iconic gotta save. I'm so sorry. Yes, there was the Master Planner trilogy. People are yelling at me, screaming, saying, what yeah. are you possibly? Okay, yeah, this is the Master Planner trilogy. That was and, probably the last thing. Yeah. And that was mainly good for its last issue. Totally. In our, in our judgment. Yes, totally. That last issue was pretty amazing. Yeah. So I guess it's been a while, and this is kind of a, as far as a, you know, exit of Spider-Man's creator, it's sort of a whimper. But, and uh, if you notice, the uh, the cover is a complete non-cover. Every image uh-huh. there is taken from the inside of the, of the comic. So he didn't draw it. So his last issue, his last cover was 37. Yep. Maybe. Although that kind of looks like the same deal. So I don't know. 36? The looter? Talk about next cover, though. Let's not. But geez, that's a good one. Anyway. Okay, so it's it's a good point, though, because there's some stuff in this with Norman Osborn that really feeds into the, you know, what is going on with Norman Osborn in last issue and Mm -hmm. this issue. Mm Because we first met him in 37 and he shoots a guy. Right. So we know he's a bad guy or something's up with him. Right. He's sending people out to kill Spider-Man in this issue. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, what is up with Norman? So I think if you cut a big stack of bills in half, you've ruined the money. I know or, that that's illegal now. I don't know what the law was then. Okay. They were going to just tape $2,000, $20,000 together. That seems like a lot of work. Anyway. That's a lot of tape. But I yeah. This is one of the serial numbers match. Uh, where, does she ta- where does she have a thought balloon that actually sounds like her now? Um, Gwen? Page 11, I can't help feeling sorry for Pete. I wish they'd all stop writing him. It's like, okay, there she is. Yeah, she's definitely starting to turn. Mm-hmm. Because she's still being drawn bad. Not bad, like, badly, but, like, looking bad. She's got those extreme eyebrows and the frown all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that goes away with a new artist pretty soon. But uh, The eyebrows aren't quite as extreme as they were in her first issues, but they're no. still no. very arching. Yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't have anything else to say. Mary Jane shows up. Again. Or is this her first body shot? Uh, her face is being eaten by a flower in 25. Okay. So here's uh, another. Here, it's being eaten by a bush or a tree yeah. or something. And she's wearing a bullet bra is the only thing I can think of for why she is shaped the way she's shaped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's It doesn't just, really look like her, does it? No. Um, and Peter still wishes that she were Betty. He's moved past Betty, kind of, but he's not like over her. Makes you wonder what Ditko's idea of Mary Jane was. Did we? Did he ever draw her fully, like even in a sketch or something that we and have? No, does not exist. And that's a big thing is that no one knows what Ditko's idea for Mary Jane was, if she was even going to show up. Maybe that was just going to be the ongoing joke forever that we never see her. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been. Yep. Um, so the last notes of Ditko's Spider-Man symphony are him being really depressed about his powers and his life. Uh-huh. Which is not, you know, atypical of Peter, but. Um, Aunt May tells him, you know, to turn off the TV cause they can give you nightmares. He says, not much chance of that. In my case, I only have them when I'm awake. 
You think that was like autobiographical or something? I I would hesitate to say yes, but I also wouldn't be surprised if yes. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing nothing I've ever heard about Ditko as a person strikes me as him being a happy person at this phase of his life. Not only will he become a big star now, aka Stan Lee, but I'll seem worse than ever. Oh shoot. I mean, I don't know. That could I could totally just be reading into that, but Yeah. Wow. I, I don't know. It's possible. It's don't possible. know the guy, so couldn't say. But we know he um, had he had bitterness about all this stuff. Now you actually probably have read one of Joe's later stories. He does show up in Captain America two hundred forty six. Does he really? Yep. Maybe that's why I like him. Captain America. I don't even know what that one is. Two hundred forty six. I'm looking it's for the image. It's before you started collecting because it's before <gasps> three hundred. I totally recognize that cover. I didn't put two and two together. That's totally Joe. I guess I don't remember that story. Sins of the Fathers. He's kicking Cap off a train in his outfit. Huh. Maybe he goes crazy again or something. Maybe. Totally going to read that now. Do they call him anything? Just just Joe? Well, the cover just says, oh, he was a guy named Joe, but society stole his son. Now he's fighting back, and he may just be Cap's deadliest foe. Sins of the Fathers. So he has a kid, and someone steals his kid. What? Who's going to steal his kid? Why did? Who's going to have a kid with him? Oh, because he's a celebrity Liz now? Liz is. Yeah. He marries yeah. Liz and has a son named Joey. Yeah, totally have to read this now. So that's a Peter Gillis issue, whoever that is. I must have read it before, but I never connected it to Spider-Man because I'd never read any of these before. All right. That's cool. Kind of fun. All right. So goodbye, Steve Gitko. Goodbye, month of uh, whatever we're in. Uh, I lost track. April. April. Goodbye, month of April 1966. So what are your thoughts on Ditko's tenure in the burgeoning Marvel superhero universe? Well, I'll start with Doctor Strange. I thought initially when we were watching it, watching it, reading it, it was fun. It was a novelty. I had never really delved into Strange before outside of like guest appearances or something. But quickly Mm -hmm. it became kind of repetitive and quickly it became like I wanted more from it. I wanted Doctor Strange to build some sort of life and that never really happened. And I don't think Steve Ditko really ever wanted that, didn't seem like. He wanted to just tell crazy Hellboy stories every week. Or every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got over that. But conversely, Spider-Man is almost the opposite of that. It's like Spider-Man kind of invented the Marvel, uh, you know, wheel in a way. Because as we were reading all these in order, Spider-Man was the first one to really start doing awesome subplots. Really building, you know, world building and character building and supporting cast. And uh, it was obvious. For a long time, it was our best book every month, guaranteed. So... It's kind of weird that he was responsible for these two different things that, that uh, you know, like one was just blowing me away and the other one was just seemed kind of stagnant and, you know, made me shrug every month. You know, when, when you go to like the beginning of the Fantastic Four, you hear about how, St- how Stan Lee wanted to like turn the superhero concepts on their head, you know, take away the secret identities, uh-huh. you know, ha- have a team that doesn't get along, yeah. all this other stuff. But then you get to Spider-Man – and it turns the superhero concept on its head in completely different ways. Mm-hmm. And in ways I think have much more lasting staying power. Mm-hmm. Um, having a team that doesn't get along seems old hat. You know, uh-huh. I, I don't necessarily need every team I read to be fighting all the time. Yeah. But neither should the teams be super happy, hunky dory all the time. Uh-huh. There should, you know, some interpersonal conflict is good. But 
most of your comics are solo comics mm-hmm. and having a person who has a life, who has a supporting cast, who has things going on when they're out of the costume. I feel like this is what has made the superhero genre more interesting and characters who don't do this either a suffer for it or b make up for it by having really amazing superhero adventures. I'm thinking of Kirby's Thor at this point. Like, yeah, you know, we're going into this era of Thor where the fact that he's Don Blake is going to matter less and less and eventually disappear all altogether. But right. he's so awesome being Thor that it doesn't matter. Right. Or um, if you like the Hulk, then him turning into Bruce Banner is only occasional. It's not really a normal thing. Well, with Spider-Man, they really pushed the ideas that they kind of hinted at with Thing and Hulk, where it was like, yeah, just because they have powers doesn't mean they're happy, right? It could be a problem. Right. But with but unlike Thing and Hulk, who are obviously monsters, and that's why it's a problem, like Spider-Man could can blend in. So you think, wow, he's got it made. He's a cool, he's a teenager with, you know, awesome superpowers. But then it turns out, nope, you know, superpowers don't solve everything. And I think that's that was kind of groundbreaking because prior to that, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think like other than having girlfriend problems, a lot of superheroes didn't seem to have any issues. Now, one thing that I don't really understand, um, a lot of people will link Steve Ditko to Ayn Rand and the objectivist philosophy. And, and I understand that he was a big you know, proponent of that and uh-huh. went to his Mr. A character and there's one person who's like the only other, the only time I ever met Steve Ditko, he held up a business card and one half was colored in black and the other half was white. And he says like, black is black and white is white and there's nothing in between. And that's like a view on morality. Uh-huh. And so reading through Spider-Man, I'm trying to see, or Derek, Dr. Strange trying to see where this might be coming through. And it seems like it's so not that like every situation Peter Parker's in, they're like, shades of gray and different things he could do and trying to find the right task is always a a, a job and when he chooses mm-hmm. something right there are negative consequences and it seems like moral complexity is actually one of the underlying concepts of spider-man rather than moral objectivism <clears throat> that's definitely true and i don't even think in dr strange like yes there's good magic and bl- bad magic but especially initially dr strange almost seemed like kind of creepy and evil a lot of the time so i don't know I don't see that philosophy, but maybe it came later. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he came to his randism later in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, your superhero universe of Marvel, Jack Kirby pretty much helps launch every single character we've done so far, except for Daredevil. Like he helps launch the X-Men, he helps launch S.H.I.E.L.D., he helps launch, you know, everything we've done, um, except for Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, which are mm-hmm. Ditko's babies. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the Marvel Universe would not be what it is if it weren't for that contribution. Yeah. I always feel like the Marvel Universe is basically building blocks of Kirby with a sprinkling of Ditko for good measure, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's got his little corner. But definitely a lot of Kirby. <laughs> definitely a I mean, lot of Kirby. I mean, Kirby tried to kick off Spider-Man. That's another famous, like, you know, what really happened story. But, like, apparently Kirby had a Spider-Man developed, but it wasn't the same thing at all. So mm-hmm. luckily Ditko stepped in and, and made it a not Captain Spider-Man. Right. So anyways, um, you know, I've said before in this show that Spider-Man had a huge impact on my childhood. Uh, the early issues of reading Peter Parker left an indelible mark on my own development as a young man. 
Uh, I owe all of that to Steve Ditko's emotional imagery and, of course, Stanley's writing as well that go, goes along with it. But, um, you know, we're leaving behind an era that to me is like a cornerstone of my own psychological makeup. So it's, it's interesting that we've gotten here. That said, I'm super excited for Amita because to me, uh, that's more like to me when I think 60 Spider-Man, that's, that's what I like. I don't know. We'll see. Before Ramita can really get his own ideas out of the way, uh, underway, mm-hmm. he's going to have to resolve Ditko's plots. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk more about that next time and some fan myth that's out there. We've already kind of hinted that before, but even though Steve Ditko has gone, his stories are not wrapped yet. And that's what the next two issues are going to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we move? Uh, we got to, we got to, we got to pick some comics. What am we I talking pick. about? We've got to pick some faves. All right. I'm thinking so, this might be difficult. Yeah. Uh, nothing's popping out, but go. Yeah, we should probably go over it first. Um, let's see. I'm bringing up my spreadsheet. I was not prepared. So I have in front of me our comics from the month of April. We have the X-Men 21, mm-hmm. which had, um, was it Dominus, the second half of the Lucifer story? Yup. We have Daredevil 17, which is the second half of the Spider-Man team up. Uh, going against the Mass Marauder. We have Thor 129, The Verdict of Zeus, where Thor uh, fights on Hercules' behalf. And in the backup, we have the Hordes of Hurricane. Um, Then Tales to Astonish 81 is a Hulk versus Boomerang. And also Namor when a monarch goes mad. Mm. He, uh, um, is that whatever he goes? Because he finds out Dorma ostensibly betrayed him. He goes right. Crazy. Yeah. Sergeant Fury 31 into the jaws of death. Uh, that was where they go. Oh, yeah. They, the, the D-Day information. They go to um, save Captain Sam Sawyer. The Avengers 29. This power unleashed. Black Widow recruits Power Man and the Swordsman. And Goliath helps save the day as he is stuck at 10 feet forever now. Tales of Suspense 79. Um, Iron Man fights Namor's bad guys and then sees Namor at the end. Captain America fights a bunch of secret uh, armor dudes with Red Skull cackling in the background. Fantastic Four 52, first appearance of the Black Panther, Nuff said. Mm-hmm. And then the two we just talked about, Strange Shells 146 with Nick Fury versus them and the end of Doctor Strange Dormammu and Amazing Spider-Man 38, just a guy named Joe. I like when you do that because then I always have an answer by the time you're done. Okay. So that's easy. X-Men 21 is the worst thing ever. Uh, Lucifer's horrible. I hate that he's responsible for Xavier's legs. I hate that he's an alien and not a mutant. I hate that they made it a two-parter when I didn't even want one part. So, <laughs> X-Men 21. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I Am only I- disagree with you on the point that uh, I didn't even want a one part because <laughs> when they had Lucifer before, they didn't even confirm how and why he got rid of his legs. Yeah. They didn't even tell that story. So, having that revealed was like the one well, thing. And I did like the blob, uh, what's his name? And Eunice. Re- re- and Eunice part in the first part. But this isn't the first part. This is the second part. So, it can be the worst Yep. Um, and then I'm sorry, Ditko, I cannot choose either of yours as the best, even though that would be kind of fitting and fun if I could. But I'm going to give it to almost Fantastic Four, but no, Daredevil number 17. I thought oh. both those parts both those parts were super solid. 
I was actually impressed that the second part was just as good as the first. Usually that's not the case so far in these 60s comics. The, the buildup is always better than the finish. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I liked it. So I'm going to give Daredevil the win for once. So I actually kept track as I was going through this month. Mm-hmm. And I really liked an issue. Mm-hmm. I put it in a top contenders list. And when I really didn't like an issue, I put it in a bottom contenders list. Okay. So, and then I picked one from each list. Uh huh. My bottom contenders this month were Spider Man and the X Men. Okay. Um, and maybe I'm being too rough on that Spider Man issue. I've just, I've never liked it. I don't know maybe if I dislike it more than it warrants. I just don't like it. But I did, before you said anything, I chose the X Men 21 as my Good. bottom pick. Good. So I'm sticking with that. My top contenders were Daredevil, Fantastic Four, and Captain America. Yep. I thought about Cap, too, because Red and, Skull, pretty big deal. Right? Yeah. I was leaning really hard on Daredevil until <laughs> I read the Captain America issue. Uh-huh. And I really liked all of the, uh, why can't anybody see them? Uh-huh. The Red Skull's return, a making the cosmic cube, the, the, the circuitry behind the A, I just, mm-hmm. and, and like Nick, this is not the one where Nick Fury showed up, but there's just no. so much stuff in that that I enjoyed that I am picking Captain America awesome. seven, from Suspense 79 as my. How weird. I pick Spider-Man, you pick Captain America. You didn't. Oh yeah. Spider-Man in the Daredevil. Yep. Yep. That's one of the reasons it was awesome. I have chosen. No, that's not true. Yeah. I have chosen Captain America more than you have. Probably because I don't want to be like all, you know. Captain America every time. Biased. So I try harder, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Same reason you probably go, oh, I shouldn't pick Spider-Man again. All right. Well, that is April, and um, we're running a little bit on the long side, but hey, it's our show. We can if we want to. Are we? Oh, yeah. We've only got two more to go, though. Yeah. Well, sort of two more. Three more, really. Uh, one, so what One are, and what two we, halves. What have we got next? We've got, uh, where, I've lost it. Daredevil 18. Daredevil 18. Okay, that's you though, right? Yep, yep. It is. Okay. So Daredevil 18, there shall come a gladiator. Dun, dun, dun. This is one of my favorite Daredevil bad guys. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. We'll see about that. Go ahead. Story by Smilin' Stan Lee. Art by Jazzy Johnny Ramita. Inks by Fearless Frank Jacoya. Lettering by Swingin' Sammy Rosen. Frantic footnote, Smiley just had time to write the first seven pages before dashing south for his first vacation in years. So give a cheer for Dandy Denny O'Neill, who bravely scripted the balance of this ever-loving epic. Speaking of, I did look and then forgot to answer that you're right. The last Doctor Strange comic was the first Danny O'Neill. Not this okay. one. Not tonight. So he's done a couple of Doctor Stranges and a most of a Daredevil now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Foggy, (laughs) Foggy, (laughs) Foggy, Foggy, Foggy Nelson is trying to convince Karen Page that he is Daredevil, and he's pretty much got her convinced. But for some reason, she still hasn't said she'll marry him. Maybe it's because he hasn't asked. I don't know. (laughs) Only only Karen knows for sure. Obviously. he, He decides that to convince her that he's Daredevil... He needs a Daredevil costume, but he doesn't have a Daredevil costume. So where does he go? To a costume shop. And he's walking around and this shop 
majors in Marvel, they have all the great costumes. Captain America, Thor, Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, Doctor Thor. Um, and so Foggy's like, where's the tenant? Who, who works here? He walks to the back of the store. No, nobody turns around and starts to leave. And uh, the guy comes out of the car and says, wait, wait, wait. Who are you? What'd you want? He's like, uh, I was going to get a costume, but it, it, it's, it, it's not important. It's not important. He's like, you bothered me. Tell me what you want, fool. And so Foggy's like, okay, um, fine. Uh, Daredevil? Can I get a Daredevil costume? He's like, okay, um, sure. I'll take your measurements. You're not going to look good in it. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be kind of, I have to make it bigger. It's going to cost you extra. He's like, fine, whatever. Um, and as soon as he leaves, the tailor, who, by the way, runs a shop that is full of superhero costumes, he is super mad at costume superheroes <laughs> that they even exist. Yeah. Uh, nothing but overrated, conceited, swaggering braggarts, he says. And he's like, I think that, you know, the best supervillain or superhero would have all of his powers built into his clothes. And I think I'm going to do that. And I'm going to use this daredevil chump as my guinea pig. So the, the, the plot is afoot. Meanwhile, Matt Murdock is uh, hanging out in his exercise room, doing some workouts. Uh, then he goes to the law offices at noon to find Foggy and Karen. They're acting a little bit close, but he's like, you know, has to, has to um, not let on that he knows anything. So Foggy, <laughs> Foggy, Foggy's like, um, remember, Karen, if Matt ever gets in trouble, Daredevil, I, I mean, I am always here to help him out. Oh, and Matt, if I ever disappear for a while, don't worry, don't worry. I just have some out of town business to take care of. And Matt's like, <sighs> okay. So that night, Foggy goes back to the costume shop. He has a Daredevil costume. He's like, cool. Got a Daredevil costume. This is really awesome. Comes with a billy club. That's really great. And, um, and the tailor's like, so, so what if, um, what if you, what you want to impress your girl, right? What if you got attacked, like fake attacked by a bad guy? Then you could beat the bad guy and win and impress your girl. And he's like, hey, that, that, that's, that's a pretty good idea. Thanks, fella. Let's go meet in the shady part of town later tonight. So Matt goes, uh, Foggy goes home and tries on his Daredevil costume. He's like, this doesn't really flatter me in any of the right places, but oh well, needs must, I guess. Puts on his clothes over his Daredevil costume. He's like, wow, this is really uncomfortable. Uh, Daredevil is watching you from above as he gets into a cab. Foggy and Karen are riding along in a cab. They go to the shady parts of town. Meanwhile, the tailor puts on some armor and some circular saws on his forearms and a helmet and calls himself the gladiator. So he's ready to go fight Daredevil and beat him up, even though it's not the real Daredevil. And even though the guy who's expecting him is expecting a fake fight, gladiator's going to beat him up for real. So Matt is Daredevil trailing Foggy, who's pretending to be a devil, who is with Karen in the bad part of town, and Matt Foggy's like, when is this guy going to show up? Finally, he shows up. And Matt's like, Karen, you wait here in this shady part of town in the nighttime. I'm going to go get help. And he scuttles off behind a box and he takes off his outer garments and becomes Daredevil. And Karen's like, oh, I can see Foggy Nelson changing to Daredevil. I'm the first one ever. 
So now Daredevil's like, or fake Daredevil's like, I've got these clothes. What am I going to do with them? I'll just throw them on the ground this dirty street, I guess. Okay, Mr. Bad Guy, let's have our fight, by golly. And Daredevil's like, oh no, Foggy's going to get himself killed. And Foggy basically gets himself killed because the gladiator doesn't pull any punches. Karen runs off to get the police. Foggy quickly realizes that this is a real fight. He gets knocked out. Real Daredevil goes after Gladiator, and Gladiator's all surprised. They fight for a while. The police show up. They find um, 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 Foggy passed out in the alleyway as Daredevil. He wakes up. Um, Karen makes it back to her uh, uh, offices. The landlord shows up and says, I need to talk to Matt and Foggy. Are they around? No, they're not. So... Finally, the fight between Daredevil and Gladiator wraps up. Daredevil basically punches Gladiator out. The police grab Gladiator. Uh, Foggy Daredevil wakes up and is like, I'm uh, I'm uh, going on patrol now, officers. And they're like, okay, Daredevil, you um, you look a little shaky. You take care of yourself now. And um, Foggy's like, okay, I'm going to go now. And Matt is really kind of upset with Daredevil, with, with Foggy. He goes home. The landlord says... Um, that Karen's suffering from fatigue. We need to talk to Mr. Nelson because there's some business about the building. And next ish, the fate of Foggy Nelson. Yep. <laughs> so lots of melodrama in this. I probably went too detailed in the synopsis, but oh my gosh. So you said you like the gladiator, huh? I do like the gladiator. I know this is just kind of a run of the mill kind of beginning for him, but I like his look mm-hmm. and I like some of the stuff that goes on with him in his history. Um, but even now, I think he looks cool. And although his um, motivation, I think that villains should have their stuff built into their clothes, is a little bit weird. I don't know. Just the circular saws on his arms. Mm-hmm. He means business. He does look cool. And I've heard of him before because he is a sub, you know, he's a subplot in my favorite Daredevil story of all time, if not favorite comic book story of all time, Born Again, which you may or may not have read. But... Uh, He's in that, and at that point, he's Daredevil's friend. Mm-hmm. So I know of him as not being a villain at some point. So I was curious when I got this cover and went, oh, cool, Gladiator, let's figure out what this guy's about. But then, yeah, he's pretty one note. Um, pr- apparently something cooler happens to him later, but not in this. I don't know. Like, uh, Are they trying to say like he's obsessed with clothes or something? Like, my clothes that I can sew can beat any superior person. Or something? Like, is that what they're trying to say he is? I don't well, know. Well, he's a, he's a tailor, so I guess yeah. it's just like, that's where his interests lie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like yeah. I kind of feel like it's riffing on Batman just a little bit, because Batman has all of his stuff in his clothes. Okay. Like his pouches and everything. Um, that's how I have read it occasionally, but and I, I just like that he has him. a circular song. When I have humbled Daredevil, I will still, I will hunt bigger games, Spider-Man, Iron Man, even the mighty Thor himself. And I'm just thinking, yeah, you go do that, buddy. We'll see how that works. But <laughs> how long is that going to last? Yeah, true. He's a big guy. He's a bruiser, but he's not superhuman in any way, shape, or form. He's fashion, like, so. like Thor could just shoot him with lightning bolt and he's done. Anyway, uh, yeah. And then Foggy, like, I thought it was funny initially. Now he's taking this really far. Well, don't you, don't you hate it, Mike, when you lie to your crush and you convince them that you're a superhero uh-huh. and then you have to go buy a costume because you don't actually have one? And then they don't make one in your size because you're Poogee. I just, I just, that really. Yeah. What is the end game here, Foggy? Like, are you just going to have her think you're Daredevil forever 
after you're married, have kids, dad's daredevil. Like, what are we doing? And at the end, Matt Solar is like, you know, Foggy's gone too far with all of this. Uh-huh. Now, Foggy would probably argue that Matt has gone too far with the whole being daredevil in the first place thing. But, you know, mm-hmm. that is as it is. I did love Ramita's, you know, take on Foggy in a Daredevil outfit. I thought that was awesome. You know, when he's looking in the mirror and later when he's clearly not the real Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was all fun stuff. Um, I wrote down, so you have rogue scientists and demented corporate moguls, and this is our first rogue demented Taylor. <laughs> right. Yeah. This, this, the, I don't know what he's doing with his shop either, because, like, right. I mean, he's basically running it the way we, you know, old school, not great comic shops get run, right? Like, it's nefarious, and you have to come after Dark, and he hates the costumes that he's making. So he's like this really grumpy comic book guy who hates comic books, but he's selling them. But don't come to his shop, because he hates you. Yeah. That sounds like a comic book owner, shop owner. Yeah, actually. I've known a couple of those. Um, So page four, whenever he's working out, maybe I've mentioned this before, I don't remember. Years ago, I heard a podcast episode of uh, Michael Bailey's Views in the Long Box, where mm-hmm. Thomas DJ was talking about Daredevil's history. Mm-hmm. And he said something that's always stuck with me. And, and I feel like it's kind of borne out here that Matt Murdock had to buckle down and work hard and focus so much to get through law school and get his life going. Mm-hmm. And now whenever he gets to be Daredevil, that's kind of him getting to be more himself let himself go, mm-hmm. and he gets to move past the wall that he's built around himself. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that that's starting to come out more and more in the storytelling. That's how Barry Allen should be written, too. You know, the stuffy, boring guy who was hard-nosed and did science and never dated, and now he gets to be the super fun Flash with all his crazy gimmicks and tricks. And I could dig that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but I wonder, like, where, if we ever get a history or an origin of this secret gym that he has under his building like does he have money or was he willed this or does he own the whole building or is this an apartment or how does this work yeah i don't know i don't Um, know either they don't talk about it it just said today for the first time not today in this comic for the first time it's time to visit my hidden lower floor gym oh really okay batman what are you doing where'd that come from yeah does he yeah i hadn't thought about that i was just reading through trying to visit my hidden lower floor gym is that does he Rent an apartment above a gym? I think so. Or Maybe he owns just the building. He just chose to get to... I don't know. They haven't got into it, but I'd like for them to. And uh, uh, yeah, especially since Interesting. their landlord is looking for rent. So that means they're not making right. a lot of bank, I don't think. Not in their job, certainly, no. No. Um, Foggy is not smooth. He's super cringy mm-hmm. in this office scene. Oh, and Yeah. Do you ever watch a movie and like the person in the movie is doing something so embarrassing that like you can't even watch? You have to stop the movie. Mm-hmm. Never been kissed as like that, which is like I feel so bad for the cringy situation the person's in that it's like it's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, well, he's doing it to himself. He is. He is definitely uh, doing it to himself. I just realized that Gladiator has an Iron Man costume in his tailor stop. It's like wow, probably not an actual functioning Iron Man costume, but still. It's probably plastics. Odd choice. And a Doctor Doom right behind it. So he deals with fake armor or rubber or something. The fact that people know what Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange look like is kind of weird to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Good point. Well, Doctor Strange has been on TV. That's true. But yeah, well, I guess Doctor Doom is a Latvian king. Maybe he makes the newspaper or something. I don't know. He was the secret Latvian king. You're right. 
Well, maybe this guy's from Latveria. He looks like it. Could be. Not to be racist, but I didn't draw him. Um, Foggy and Karen are going out there, and Karen is saying stuff, to, you know, like, Foggy, be careful. And he's, she, he's like, maybe she's concerned about me? And I'm like, of course she's concerned about you. She's your friend. Right. You're being harassed by an unknown menace. She's right. going to be concerned about your safety. She'd probably be it's concerned not- about the safety of a stranger she was sharing a cab with. Right. <laughs> I did like all the hijinks, like Foggy being the worst. At like, I could see this in a cartoon or movie being funny, like Foggy trying to quick change the Daredevil and it just not working. Right. That was pretty hilarious. And he he tries to use a Billy Club. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The the Billy Billy Club Club. doesn't work. It's because it's plastic and just a prop. And he gets mad at the costume shop. And you know, like the last time I got a Batman costume at a shop, I was yeah. really disappointed to find that the bat shark repellent in my belt didn't actually repel sharks. <laughs> right? It's very upset. That's how you lost your leg. That is how I lost my leg. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, there's a random continuity reference on page 16. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. With Oh, I, I didn't buy this. Not even Namor kept me under this long. My lungs are bursting. Yeah. But then on page 17, he says, I can thank Namor for my survival. After he defeated me, I realized how helpless I was underwater. For months, I practiced yoga breathing techniques. No, you haven't. Come on. <laughs> I don't believe that. Um, Mr. Dunn, the building manager, is a thing for a while. He's going to be around to provide some extra tension and stress for the characters. Mm, yeah, he made her pass out. Yeah. She's so fragile. Um. But yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say. John Romita's awesome on Daredevil. I feel like he's probably not going to last much longer, though, huh? No, because he's got a new job. Got a new job. So it's like I'm kind of I'm I'm excited that he's got a new job, but I'm going to miss him on DD. I think he's pretty good at it. If his replacement is who I think it is, I think you're going to be happy. Yeah, probably. I think Daredevil traditionally has some pretty good art most of the time. Everybody wants to draw Daredevil. All right. So- Are we good with that? It's all your turn now. Thor number 130, Thunder in the Netherworld. Whoa, that could be a cool movie title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stan the Man Lee, writer, Jack King Kirby, artist, Vince the Prince, Coletta, Delineata, Artie Pussycat, Samek, Letterer. Um, no recap, but basically Thor is going to go challenge Pluto to free Hercules, who signed a, accidentally signed a contract to be the new Pluto, right? That's the, that's the thing. So... Mm-hmm. Pluto's like, okay, listen, if you defeat all my horde, I'll, I'll free Hercules. But if you don't, you have to be the new Hercules, a.k.a. the new Pluto. And Thor's like, okay. So he goes down there, and there's a lot of fighting. He fights this big, giant Kirby troll-looking thing. I'm just going to uh, uh, – he, he comes across Hercules, whose power has been stripped from him. And they're going to try – all this horde is, like, holding him down, and they're going to put the – netherworld crown on him and once they do that it's over but thor's like nay i say i say thee nay and just continues to blow through everybody like he attacks tanks he kills uh you know i don't know a bunch of people a steamroller at some point comes out uh meanwhile jane and her new roommate are doing some bonkers things she's like lamenting about how much she loves thor and Jane's roommate's like, love, love is just as lame as pity and sorrow. And Jane's like, uh, where did you say you were from again? And she's like, oh, <laughs> no, you care about my origin? 
I must get rid of you. You, you. you are too close to my real secret. So suddenly she stands up and says, I have activated my aura of majesty, and you are now forced on your knees, and you must obey everything I say. Pack up, head north, never come back. And then in her mind, she's thinking, ha! now Thor will probably spend all his time looking for her and not stop me in my plan. So we'll find out what that is someday. Um, Thor still fight, 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 fight. At some point, Pluto's finally like, okay, okay, okay. I have been running this place for a bazillion years, and you have wrecked everything I've done in like three minutes. So you know what? I quit. I actually don't even want to be up there anymore. I think I like it better down here because you guys are all annoying. I release you, Hercules. Here, let's rip up your contract. Hercules says, I'm going to beat you up for tricking me. And Thor's like, no, no. Let's just leave, buddy. And Hercules is like, okay, you know what? From now on, I call you friend. And Thor's like, me too. And Hercules is like, let's go do God stuff. And Thor's like, I don't do God stuff like you do God stuff. And then they walk away into the sunset happily ever after. The boyfriends. The end. Oh, and Thor's like still muddling over whether he's going to give up his immortality to be with Jane. Right. That was, that was another right. subplot. Yeah. Um, so big fight. Big fight. A lot, a lot of fight. Just fight, 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 fight. If you like Kirby fight, this is the issue for you. Yeah. Lots yeah. of really cool visuals. Yeah, for um, sure. Going into the netherworld with the like the really big green tree thing was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me I ask forget what you. S- go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What's in it for Pluto to allow this to happen? To well, let Thor. Yeah. Like if Thor wins, Pluto loses. He's already got Hercules, so he's already won. Why not just say, nah, I'm not going to let you challenge anything. See you later. So you're saying that what if Pluto had just told Thor, never mind, you don't get to? Yeah, why does Thor get to? That's a really like, good question. Like he can't get down to the, nether- to the, I keep calling it Netherlands, the netherworld without Pluto's help. So Pluto accepts the challenge. But it's like all he's doing is setting himself up for failure because he already won. He's escaped. You're right. You are so right. Is there some rule or law? Now, that could be. I don't know. Like, anybody can come along and say, hey, Pluto, I challenged the person who took you over. Or it's because Hercules hasn't put on the crown yet, maybe, that Pluto's still in charge. Yeah, the, 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 the crown has not gone on yet. Now, they do say to Hercules, only another may battle for you. So it is allowed for someone to fight on Hercules' behalf. Okay. And it also is Thor's destiny to do this, as we for some reason, read last issue. Right, because there's like the, the Day of Three Worlds or whatever. Uh-huh. Join Midgard and Asgard. Right, yeah. Hercules Guard or something. So that was my one nitpick. It's just like, why does Pluto cooperate with this? But other than that, it's pretty fun. Um, Thor fights Cerebus or Cerberus, rather uh-huh. because Cerebus is the aardvark. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Now, my comic does not have a three-headed dog as Cerberus. Does yours? Oh, sorry. No, mine has a giant Kirby yellow purple troll green thing. Okay, okay. It's making sure. Um, Because Cerberus is supposed to be a three-headed dog. Right. I didn't really pick up on that. You're right. They share the same name, I guess. I guess. Maybe this is just like, like, you know, Paris, France, and Paris, Texas. Maybe this is like not the regular Cerberus. This is like Cerberus, Ohio or something. Now, he does have a face, and on his helmet, on the sides, there's an eye on each side, and those eyes seem to shoot laser beams. So that's three things. But, yeah, that's a stretch. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. He has no tail. Um, now, I forget. 
because I don't remember anything in my life. Do you know who Tana Nile is? Do you know what's going on with this? I do not. Okay. Okay. Interesting. She's she's a royal alien weirdo person. She looks a lot more normal this issue than last issue, though. Yeah, they did tone her down just a bit for mm-hmm. this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, she has believable features. Exotic, but believable. Yeah. Instead of the really weird. But like they mentioned last time how Thor bows down to Tana, and Jane's like, everyone's been doing that. <laughs> we went to the grocery Tana, store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Atana forces her to. Well, it's called the Aura of Majesty. So I guess she holds it back. And even when held back, Thor did it. So that means he might have some problems here in the future. Um, Fight, 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 fight. The Jane's I mean, my only other comment is it was cool that in the end they're friends and they get along. And that's the first time that's happened with these two. So I thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, and that kind of sets up Hercules for future plot lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't look it up. I think Hercules might be off the table for a little while. I guess Probably. I look it up. So now I'm talking about. He sure has been on the table a lot. Yeah, the, I think they were determined to like make him a thing. Yeah, I think they've succeeded. Although I don't know if they'll take advantage of it. But I'm just looking him up real quick on a chronology site. Um, if you're new to the show, there are two really great sites out there for uh, appearance orders and chronologies. One is marvelreading.com which is the complete marvel reading order and there's also chronologyproject.com which is um a bit more bare bones as far as the layout but uh very very thorough in their lists of characters appearances Mm -hmm. and so yeah he's in he's in next issue probably as saying goodbye and the next time he shows up is in avengers 38 and i know what that story is awesome okay He'll be the new Thor. The new Thor on the team? Yeah. So we say goodbye to Jane. This is not goodbye to Jane, but it seems like it's goodbye to Jane. She's just leaving. She's going to walk the earth until she starves to death or something? Yeah, like Kang from Kung Fu. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. Okay. Do we want to do the next story? I guess we should do the next story. The next story is called The Fateful Change. There's no recap, but there's one dialogue balloon that kind of recaps the whole thing. It says, Yon City of blah, 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 blah. Muspelheim. Muspelheim has fallen to the hordes of Harrokin. We, who is Thor and the, 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 what are they called? The Warriors Three. The Warriors Three must liberate the land while we can. So that's where it's set up. Remember the guy had like a weird helmet with the eyeball thing and it was like this awesome powerful weapon that they didn't want anyone to take so then he took it. Script, Stan Lee, Art Jack Kirby, inking Vince Valletta, Coletta, lettering Sam, Rosen costumes, Asgard haberdashery. Wow. So they attack the city and we get to see like the Warriors 3 doing their thing, which we haven't really seen before in full. So that's fun. Uh, Meanwhile, Thor attacks the main dude who's not wearing the weapon. They get into a fight. Thor easily kind of knocks him out, but then thinks to himself, the only way I can get this weapon, because I don't know where it is, is if he summons it. Wait a minute. Now that I'm looking at him when he's unconscious, he looks an awful lot like how I look when I'm in the mirror. So I know what I'll do. He uh, takes his helmet off and starts taking off his costume and stuff. And then minutes later, that bad guy's, uh, you know, own Warriors 3 come over to find out, you know, uh, or to tell him that they're under attack by the good Warriors 3. And it's Thor posing as... Hurricane. Hurricane. And he says, bring me... The eyeball helmet. 
And next issue, the Warlock's Eye, a.k.a. Eyeball Helmet. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Boy, this story's going all over the place. Remember it was about like a voyage to find what broke a sword? Because <laughs> I don't know how we got here, but we're here. Well, and then there was like um, the threat is coming to Asgard, but first got to have story time uh-huh. about which is, Ragnarok. Which is what we've had the last couple issues, yeah. And now the hordes of Harrikin are assaulting Muspelheim um, on their way toward Asgard, and Harrikin has the evil eye, the warlock's eye. So, uh, yeah, it's... It's just all is, over. Is this theoretically the same evil force that Thor set out to find 10 issues ago in the boat? No, no, I don't think so. I feel like they're just meandering and making stuff up. I don't know. Of course they're making stuff up. It's all fiction. But I feel like they have no uh, direction somehow. Wh- how much do we want to put down that the crack in the Odin sword is going to be completely forgotten? I thought it was already. I thought it was already said like... That was just him wanting them to get riled up and train or something. Okay, okay. Going, that's right. Going off to do the Argonaut thing was him just giving them stuff to do. You're right. But there was a crack in the Odin sword. Oh. And so I guess what you're, maybe what you just said that I misunderstood is that they've already forgotten that because they've replaced their reason for leaving. Well, I wasn't sure if the crack was all part of his nefarious plan to get them to do Jason and the Argonauts or if... He just wanted to do Jason and the Argonauts before they figure out about the crack in the sword. But we saw the crack in the sword. We did see one, but he's a magical person who could probably make a fake crack. (laughs) (laughs) Not pure China White then, huh? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's forgotten. But if it comes back up, I guess I won't be surprised. Okay. Either way, then. Probably forgotten, but it might show up again. We don't know. We don't know. Seems I important. Like I always am amused whenever someone's like, this guy looks just like me. Uh-huh. Hey, I could be them. Yep. And apparently they and look so much alike that he can pull it off. So He just puts a um, Brown matchmaker, matchmaker thing yeah. over his hair. Um, and I say that because like the scene in the movie where they like put the scarves over their heads. Uh-huh. I couldn't think of the word scarf. Puts a scarf over his head and um, then wraps himself in a red coat and it's like hey bring me the warlock's eye mm-hmm. i, I mean like that's came not, off as, the whole twin thing is kind of a trope in fiction in general though right like yeah in books and all that too it just makes me laugh when I have i've never it's met just, my own twin i have seen there. pictures of my twins i've seen have pictures you? of a girl me and other boy me's oh wow cool yeah not me they're out there somewhere they must be introverted don't know but uh, that's. Do we that have door? a thing? Do we have a thing? We have a thing. Okay. So we have our comments, uh-huh. but we also have comments from Gene Hendricks, Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. And he is our Asgardian advisor, being a worshiper of the Norse gods himself. Now, Gene has been writing in faithfully about all of these issues. I feel a little bad because I feel like he's like trying to find stuff to say, but as long as he has stuff to say, we're going to keep reading it because I like having him on involved in the show Mm -hmm. um he says wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute the city of muspelheim Uh wow talk about downsizing Uh not only is muspel one of the nine worlds oops but it's one of the two primordial worlds that led to the creation of ymir and so thus the entire norse cosmology we're talking about the realm of fire ruled over by Surtur, the oldest being in all of the nine worlds. And now it's just some random city 
<laughs> being sacked by Hurricane. <laughs> Maybe they named the city after the Rome. Paris, Paris, Texas. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it's a thing. Yeah, it could be that. It's Paris, Texas. That- <laughs> they're, they're liberating Paris, Texas. Methinks another name was needed here. Uh, you could be right, Gene. I think our, our um, namesake idea also works. He says, we do get to see the beginnings of an interesting Marvel character here, though. Hurricane will come back. I knew it! Okay, I've been sitting here this entire time going, Hurricane sounds so familiar. Hmm. The Hurricane will come back, at least in the Simonson era. He is integral to the Frog Thor storyline. Oh, well, I didn't know any of that, but I've never read that, so... Fror, the Frog of Thunder. He has 24 appearances, according to this Wikipedia thing. Wow, I didn't know about that. Okay, so, yeah, I knew as I was reading this, I feel like I've heard Harrigan referred to a lot. He was mentioned in Thor the Dark World. Okay. Um, Thor and Sif are talking on a balcony. It's one of the few moments where they have to themselves where it hints at romance between them, unrequited love, but mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. And... um they mentioned the Battle of Harrigan. Oh, wow. In, in passing. That's cool. Which, you know, it could be this battle right here because this is in the past. <laughs> could be. Or one of the other 23 appearances. But that's that. That's our issue. That's it. That's our episode. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, homework for next week, because all of you are so studious. Uh, you're going to want to read the X-Men 22, Sergeant Fury 32, Tales of Suspense 80, Entails to Astonish 82. Um, nice. That will be next week's coverage as we continue through the merry month of May 1966. Where can they find us, Mike? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com. You can find uh, links to our social media for Facebook and Twitter. Obviously, all the episodes are on there. You can find links to the RSS feed and any feeds for the major podcast apps and also you can find a contact form where you can write us a letter where we sometimes read those or you can write directly to podcast at makearsmarvel.com you can follow us on twitter mike is at kaiser the great i am at john reads comics my image show is at all the pouches and my Transformers show is at tfuk podcast um we are here every week talking about comics so do come back and i guess that wraps us up yeah yep that's it so until next time or until Steve Ditko starts drawing Superman, make ours marvel. marvel.